I read uh, this past week about uh, a guy uh, quite some time ago who was going to do some remodeling in his home. And um, he was going to uh, uh, put a, a switch in the wall, and it had to be in this particular place. But he knew that behind the wall there was some ductwork and some other wiring and things like that. So he got this really bright idea. He went up to the second floor of his home, and he had an alarm clock, his wife's alarm clock, uh, by her nightstand. <clears throat> and he tied a string to her uh, uh, alarm clock, and he lowered it down uh, right next to the vent. Uh, in the wall, thinking that it would go all the way down, which it did to the first floor. And uh, when he was lowering it down, he set the alarm to go off in 10 minutes. And right as he was tying the string off, the string broke and the alarm fell down into the wall. And uh, it worked. It really did work well. Uh, he went down uh, there and, and found the, the alarm went off and he found the thing. There, but uh, there was a problem the alarm went off the next day and the next day and the next day after that and the alarm went off for 13 years every single day at 7:50 in the evening i guess there are alarms that go off in our world and we know what they mean but sometimes we just don't care. There are alarms that go off in our world and sometimes the best invention for some of us is the snooze button. And the worst invention for some of us is the snooze button. I don't doubt that there are some people here this morning who have had alarms go off in their life. And they know exactly what it means. And they know exactly what the reminder is or even the warning. But they just don't want to take care of it. They just don't want to deal with it. And that can be a real challenge. We either lie to ourselves or we just numb ourselves into inaction. For the last few weeks, we've been taking a look at a story that uh, Jesus tells about a father who had two sons and one of them left. And the story really is uh, about this younger son. We've been talking about the distant country that this son traveled to. And last week, we talked about the perspective that the distant country is not just a geographical location. It it can be a mindset. It can be an attitude. It can be a place where alarms are going off and no one's listening. The distant country is a place that you go to thinking that life is going to be better, but it's not. If you spent any time in a distant country, you know how hard it can be to wake up. And sometimes, even though we know that things aren't good, we just hit the snooze button thinking that tomorrow will be different. And by wake up, what I mean is just realizing what's going on, what's happened, and what will continue to occur 
Maybe it's because you and I have been asleep for too long that we just don't hear the alarm anymore. Maybe you just can't hear it, or maybe you've grown so used to hearing your own voice, your own reasoning, your own thoughts, that you can't hear anybody else's reasoning or thoughts or pleadings anymore. It doesn't really matter. After a while, whoever happens to be in the distant country hits that place. It's that rock bottom place. Or maybe you might call it a reality check. If you're in the distant country right now, I want you to understand that you don't have to wait for the alarm to go off tomorrow. And you don't have to wait for things to just get worse. You don't even have to wait for things to hit rock bottom. You just don't. For the sake of those who are here for the first time today, uh, uh, we've been talking about the story that Jesus told, and uh, I'm going to read it from the beginning. Uh, If you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 15, but the words will be on the screen uh, this morning there. Luke chapter 15, starting with verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together uh, all he had, and he set off for a distant country. There he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in, in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He asks for his inheritance early, puts it all together, throws it in a couple of bags and takes off for a distant country and ends up with nothing And no one, broke and alone. I think you and I could very conveniently and unitedly say that's rock bottom. And if that's not bad enough, the only job that this young man can find is feeding pigs. Now remember, Jesus is telling this story to a Jewish audience. It resonated. He's hungry enough, Jesus says, that he was willing to eat what the pigs wouldn't. This is where the story makes a critical turn. 
I love the way that Jesus teaches because it's not really profound as much as it is profoundly simple. And he says this, he came to his senses. Aha. It's a sudden awakening. Every aha story starts out the same way. He left. And every aha story progresses in the same way. He went to a distant country and ended up being miserable. And then the story shifts and every aha story has this. It's this, these three components that I should say that comprise every story. It is that awakening, that honesty, and that action. And today we're talking about the first of the trifecta. And that is a sudden awakening. In order for Adha to happen, you have to have an awakening. You literally have to be face down in the mud. Whatever that mud is, whether it's shame, whether it's frustration, whether it's embarrassment, humiliation, bankruptcy, unemployment, being alone, Everybody has to be awakened. Sometimes awakening is hard to miss. You've heard me say you need professional help sometimes to misunderstand things. Oh, you can get it. There are times when a rock bottom is hard to miss, but then there are times when it's not necessarily like that. It's not necessarily being face down in the mud. sometimes it looks like all of your friends are now gone because they've been driven away by your pride. Your debit card is denied at the grocery store because you were gambling last weekend. Your wife walks out after catching you again. Your boss fires you because he can smell the alcohol. It's rock bottom, a reality check moment. Another way to describe this he came to his senses. Sometimes it can happen earlier. Again, what does an alarm sound like? It sounds like the friend who trusts you and you trust him and he tells you that you've been acting really different lately and it's not a good different. It sounds like someone who's struggling with the same addiction that you have and says, don't worry, When you've hit rock bottom, at least you can't go any lower. Yes, you can. 
It sounds like your kids asking why they don't see you home at dinner anymore. You're always at work. It sounds like you coming to a mini marriage retreat here at church in two weeks and someone's speaking and your spouse turns and looks at you and says, this. That's an alarm. And it's going off. When you're in the distant country, sometimes it's hard to hear it going off. But trust me, the alarm is going off. If you're at rock bottom in the distant country, you need a sudden awakening. Or if you just got to the distant country and you don't think you're in trouble, but you're headed there rather quickly, there's an alarm going off. And God knows you and he knows me and he knows what will get your attention. He knows how to bring people into your life to say, hey, wait a minute. He knows how to remind you of things. Sometimes people you don't even know, circumstances you've never even been present in, but God knows exactly how to get your attention. Because he knows you. He loves you. This is what I think you can know about the sudden awakenings when they happen. When the alarm goes off, one of the first things that happens is you look back to where you were. First thing that goes off, first thing that happens when the alarm goes off is you look back to see where you were. The son comes to his senses, Jesus says. How many of my father's servants have food to spare? He's looking back. He's thinking, you know what? I thought where I was going, it was going to be a whole lot better. But I remember where I came from, and it was a whole lot better there than it was, than it, than it is here. He knows where he was. He remembers it very vividly. But in the midst of this aspect of the alarm, I want you to understand that Satan's going to do everything he possibly can to keep you in a slumbering spiritual state. He's going to say, yeah, I know it seems like it was better back there, but it's not. Just If you'll just stick it out a little bit more. Spend a little bit more. Oh, you don't have any more money? Oh, spend a little bit more of somebody else's. Just hang out there just a little longer. It'll get better. Satan tries to tell us all the time that life in God's house really isn't that much better than anywhere else. He equivocates everywhere. In the beginning of the Bible, there's a story about the people of Israel who have just been led out of Egypt. They're upset with God. They're grumbling that they just don't have enough food to eat. Now God's provided for them. He has protected them. He has done amazing things to guard them and guide them. But they're a little hungry now. And, and uh, does, anybody, uh, does anybody know what happens when people are hungry? Okay, I, I'm, just gonna, everybody, I'm, I'm not going to talk to anybody else right now except moms. You know the best hour of the day, don't you, moms? Like 4, 4.30. Isn't that awesome? 
You know, when the kids haven't eaten for a few, for a few hours? And, they, and, and especially if you combine not eating with just a nap or two? Oh, I'm telling you what. They're just angels. <laughs> and they speak so kindly and they treat each other so well right there about 4.35 o'clock. We used to call that the hour from hell. It was horrible. It, it was just, and it was just crazy. Absolutely crazy. They would lose their minds. Absolutely lose their minds. And this is exactly, and, and if you, uh, listen, if you think that that's crazy, listen to what that, you go back and read that story in Exodus. The people of God were so, they, they thought they were being so mistreated, they actually said, it would have been better if we stayed in Egypt and remained in slavery. Because at least then we would have had food to eat. You remember where you were? Is it that, is it that crazy? Do our, do our minds get that messed up? Do we actually believe when Satan tells us things like that? Those are the kinds of lies that he tells all the time to prevent you and I from really changing. Really changing. He will tell you that life in the Father's house was not good. He will tell you that even though things are bad right now, it's okay. They'll get better. And convince you to stay and stay asleep. Real awakening happens when you realize where you were. And remember what you gave up going to this distant country. It's difficult. It's not pleasant at all. And it can be embarrassing and painful. Think about it. You're, you're critiquing your own judgment. You're recognizing your own foolishness. And that can be hard. And sometimes living out the consequences of said judgment and foolishness. When the alarm goes off, you look back to where you were and you look around to where you are. You not only need to realize where you came from, but you need to fully realize where you are. It sounds simple, but it's important. Jesus says the Son comes to his uh, senses and thinks, here I am starving to death. I'm starving to death. This is not what I pictured the distant country would be like. No, never thought it was going to be like this. But that's when we say, it's only for a little bit. We believe those lies. If I only had a little more money, If I only had a little more time, I met the wrong people. I'm just going to go meet some different people. In order to have a true awakening, you need to realize where you are. You've left the Father's house. Now, I know you're probably going to expect me to say something like this, but there are portions of this story that I have lived. And I ignored the alarms that God put in my life 
when I stepped away from him. Need to realize where you are. You're in a distant country. You're lying in the mud and you are looking up at the chin of a pig. That's where you are. That's where I was. A real awakening happens when you realize where you are, that you're there because of the decisions that you have made or are making even today. And most importantly, you don't have to stay there. I mean, think about it. You're laying in the middle of the pen. There are pigs walking either all around you or in quite, in some context, maybe over you. You're tempted to eat what they've left over. And think, of, think about this rationale. Well, you know, I shouldn't have said that to my dad. I shouldn't have left. I guess that because of the consequences of those poor decisions, I'm going to end up laying face down in this place for the rest of my life. Does that sound like insanity? And yet... You and I know people who live that way all the time. As if there's some kind of unending, perverse, insidious judgment that's being executed by no one except themselves. When the alarm goes off, you look back to where you were. You look around to where you are. And you look ahead to where you could be. The son came to his senses. And he said, I'll go back. I'll go back. I don't deserve to be called a son because of the decisions that I've made. But I at least can be treated better than I'm being treated right now. Because all my father's servants are taken care of really well. And the guy that I'm working for doesn't care He thinks more about the pigs than he thinks about me. I need to look ahead to where I could be. When you realize where you came from and where you are, the next thing you need to do is think about where you could be. If you haven't heard anything I've said all this this morning, I need you to listen to me right now. I need you to pay attention to me. God puts alarms in your life to wake you up. And God, listen to me, he does not wake you up so that he can say, look where you are now, you stupid idiot. You, who was that? I was talking to Ken this morning, another Navy guy. He said, you don't, I remember a Navy guy telling me, what, you are a soup sandwich. Took me a while to think about what a soup sandwich was. All right? That's not what God does. He doesn't talk like that. He doesn't wake you and I up so we can sit in the middle of pen, uh, the pig pen, so we're as if we're on some kind of uh, public display for foolishness so people can walk around and say, look at him. Look what he did. That's not what God does. He wakes us up so we can go home. 
He wakes us up so we can get out of the mess. He wakes us up so we can make the changes that need to be made. Are there payments to be made? Yes. Are there consequences to be lived through? But those are short-term circumstances. God's looking at the long-term. That's why he wakes you and me up. That's why he says, look! I know you thought it was going to be better, but you, you were stubborn. And, and, and listen, you're not the only person that's ever going to be stubborn. You came from stubborn people, and you're going to have stubborn people that are going to come after you. But right now, I'm worried about you. I don't want you to live like this. I don't want you to be looking up at a pig. I want you to be standing up, and I want you to be clean, and I want you to be whole. That's why God wakes us up. That's why he's always been doing that. It's not because we've got some code that we want you to live by so we'll be happy and you'll be pleasing us. No, because we can barely live by any code that we make, let alone one that God gives us. God graciously and mercifully says, I know. I know. I knew what was going to happen when you made the decision, but let's just not talk about the decisions. Let's get cleaned up. Let's go home. Have you had enough of this? Have you had enough? Have you had enough of the slop and the stink and being alone and being frustrated and being embarrassed? You, that is not a sentence that you have to live out. You can be whole again. You can be clean again. You can be warm and loved and encouraged and have a place and a, and, and, a, and a purpose for life. But you've got to look around to where you were. You have to look around to where you are. And you have to look ahead to where God can help you to be. The sun wakes up and realizes that the things in his father's house, even at the worst times, his definition of worst, were far better than anything he's experienced recently. Realizing that servanthood, even in itself, in his father's house, is better than the slavery, the humiliating pig-feeding, mud-tasting slavery that he's experiencing right now. There's an old Bible verse that in Shan's paraphrase version goes something like this. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than anywhere else. That, whether you realize it or not, is the gospel. It's the good news that you don't have to live a condemned life. It's the good news that you don't have to stay where you are, chained to circumstances, some of whom were of your own making and some of whom were not. 
You don't have to live like that. God loves you and he cares for you. And the alarm many times is him coming to you. Sometimes with a shout, sometimes with a whisper and saying, wake up. It can be better. I was taking care of you before and I will take care of you again, but you have to wake up. Now, I don't know how many of you have done home repairs and remodeling before. I, uh, I've been doing that for a long time. And most of the time, I learn my lessons by um, scars. I, you know, one of the silly, stupid mistakes that I make all the time <clears throat> is uh, there is no such thing as one trip to Home Depot. There's at least four. The first time I go is without a list. The second time I go back is with a couple of things on my list and go back to take a part back that I thought that I needed that I no longer need, but I didn't get the part that I did need, so I'm going to go get that part. The third time that I go is to go back and get the second one of the part that I just need, but I broke it the first time I used it, and so now I've got to go back and get another one. And the fourth time I go back is with a list. And I give up getting the job done in that day. Because if I just slow down and read the instructions and pay attention, I'd actually be able to sleep a little better. I'd save a little gas. And I wouldn't have to listen to, to, listen to Leslie say, where are you going? I don't know if any of you have done remodeling like me or if you've done remodeling like the guy in the story that I was telling you before and drop the watch down the wall, drop the alarm clock down the wall and just let it go off. That sounds a little extreme and unusual, but I'm willing to bet that there's probably some people here who have been walking into a parking lot and heard a car alarm go off or you're sitting in the house and you hear it go off in your neighbor and sometimes you go, Your head turns for a little bit. You may stop in the middle of the parking lot. You don't get up from your chair in the living room. You just kind of lean over in the window. Nope, I don't see anything funny. I guess, I guess it must not be that big of a deal. Because after all, we hear car alarms all the time. What's God trying to say to you now? What's, been God, what's God been trying to say to you for the last couple of weeks? Through whom has God been speaking? What's he been trying to say? If you're a parent, do you need to spend some more time with your kids? If you're a spouse, do you need to spend some time with your husband or your wife? Have you been going too long and talking too little? Are you trying to fit 30 hours of activity into a 24-hour day and you're just tired? 
And when you're tired, you're, you get angry. And when you get angry, you say things you shouldn't say and you do things you shouldn't do. What's God been trying to tell you? Have you been to the distant country? Are you in the distant country right now? And, and maybe you're just trying to fix things so that it'll be a little bit better, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit more different before you finally decide you're going to come to God because you really can't come to God this broken and this dirty. You've got to clean up a little bit. And you'll go ahead and clean up everything and come to God in a presentable way. Don't. Come to him. Let him clean it all up, period. He does the best job ever. There's a whole bunch of people here who can testify to that. Not just the fact that he can clean up things a whole lot better, but they tried cleaning it up themselves the first time. Don't do that. In a few minutes, uh, some guys are going to, some people are going to pass around some trays. And these trays contain a small cup of juice and a small piece of bread. And Jesus not only told this story that we've been talking about and will continue for the next couple of weeks, but he asked us to do this every time we gather together. He asked us to get this small cup of juice and take this small piece of bread and remember him. Remember him, why? Remember that He died on the cross for my sin and for your sin. He cleaned up our mess so graciously, so lovingly that he did it before we even made the mess. And we remember what he did for us. We remember that he took care of us and and continues to take care of us. And he, he encourages us to not leave the Father's house but stay home, and should we be stubborn and leave the Father's house, we can still come home because of what he did. So as uh, these guys pass around these emblems today, I want you to be thankful for what God did. I want you to be encouraged to let God take care of you. I want you to be encouraged to not just simply let God take care of you, but listen to what God says and ignore the lies that Satan's going to tell you that you can't come home and that God doesn't want you and 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 what you've done is so bad and so so horrible that it can't be cleaned up. No, the blood of Jesus cleans everything. Everything. So again, as these emblems are passed. Take a small piece of of bread that's mere, a small cup of juice. Remember Jesus. And if you don't know who Jesus is, listen to me. When we're done today, we're done singing, I'm going to be standing right out there. Come talk to me. If there's the things that you think that Jesus can't cover, he can't take care of, come talk to me. I want to introduce you to the neatest guy you'll ever meet. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for waking us up. We get so busy with our routines. We stay in the fast lane sometimes for too long. And you bless us and you encourage us, but sometimes we're so stubborn that we just think we can do things better or we want more or we're impatient 
to wait for what you're going to give us. So thank you for waking us up from our slumber, from our foolishness. Thank you for cleaning us up from the messes that we have made and giving us hope where none could be found. Bless us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.